<laughs> Dude, hold on. My so my dad, my dad, he watched like we started putting the Bonk Rose episodes on YouTube, and he doesn't oh, yeah. listen to like my dad has never listened to a podcast in his life. Um, so whatever, but he does watch YouTube occasionally, and he said that like one of the Bonk Bros episodes got recommended to him, so he watched it. And he called me to talk about it. And it, it was like the one with Jeremiah. And he's like, oh, man, that was a great episode with Jeremiah on the Bonk Brothers. I'm like, that is <laughs> Bonk Bros. What up, party people? I've been mega sick since the show last week, and I'm pretty wiped after an hour of recording. So let's make this snappy. Just the original three Bonk Bros on the show this week, and we talk Lifetime's new docuseries, Call of a Lifetime, what's the best tire girth for mild gravel racing, and more. All show feedback and questions can be sent to bonkbrospodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram. Thanks again to all of our loyal Patreon supporters, and special shout to the latest listener to join the $8 a month club, Tweekleberg. Sorry, that's all the information I've been provided. All right, let's get this Bonk Bros party started. So why do you do you have better Wi-Fi now? What's the deal? Yeah, I successfully set up my own Wi-Fi extender thing. Good. <laughs> I think that's pretty impressive. Dude, we were talking to you last time, and I would ask you a question, and then you wouldn't respond for like five seconds, and I was like, what? Is he like drunk right now? Like, what is going on? <laughs> no, I... The, Just the sit apartment there staring so, into the abyss. The apartment's so long that like, if you're on one side, you have to be on one Wi-Fi network. And if you have to be on the oh, – and then I set, set this, like, extender thing up. Downloaded an app and everything. I was pretty impressed wow. with myself. Dude, you're really moving up in the world, man. I know. I'm like an adult now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Scott, what time is it there? 2.30. 2.30. PM. You pulling espressos over there? No, it's just a regular cup of coffee. Black. Okay. Are you riding yet? How's, how's the knee? It's all right. I did an hour today. Okay. I'm not going to lie, man. I was I was feeling my knee twinge a little bit at the end of last week. I feel like it was like, it was the biggest week that I've done in a very long time. And it might have been like a little bit of overtraining. Feels good today, though. Damn, leg you, warmers? Yeah, the leg warmers. Well, I wasn't wearing leg warmers. I was wearing like, uh, like thermal bib tights, which I usually feel like they're better because they're not. I think those are better. They're not super tight around the knee. Yeah, but what pedals? What pedals do you use? Shimano road pedals on my road bike, and then Shimano mountain bike pedals on my mountain bike. Why is there a pedal that I should be using instead? Well, I just did. I don't know if like you use your mountain bike pedals on your gravel bike or road pedals, dude. You use road pedals? Yeah. I mean, most people use mountain bike pedals on a gravel bike, but I don't really know why. To be honest with you, like you. You rarely have to get off and walk when also, you're gravel people have riding. This idea or that, like you can't walk in road shoes. Like when I yeah, put you my totally shoes on, you I like, walk dude, outside. I've been ri- I've been using road shoes with uh, like the Crank Brothers three hole cleat adapter to mountain bike pedals for mountain bike racing since I was like 18 years old. So that's going on 10 years at this point. And there have been mountain bike races where I have had to get off and walk like a significant portion of the race in my road shoes in the mud. And it really was not the end of the world at all. Well, even with like a road cleat, like a, 
Shimano road cleat. Like you, you can walk on that. Yeah, but you're right? probably going to have a hard time clipping back in. Maybe, but probably not. If it's muddy, you're saying? Yeah. I I think that uh, uh, Ivar Slick, who won Unbound last year, ran road pedals and shoes, which is crazy if you think about how there was that insane mud section that was like 30 miles from the finish that basically everyone was running. Like he just ran in his road like his road shoes somehow got the mud off to clip back in to stay with the front group and then win the sprint. Um, Adam Roberge and I both ran road pedals and shoes at that race we did in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of mud running during that race. And I don't know, like you just like mm. you just try to clip back in and keep trying to clips back in. Yeah. It's really not as big a deal as people think it is. Also at Leadville, it seemed like for whatever reason, I would say out of the top 20 finishers, probably probably over half of them, like maybe like 12 or 13 of them had road pedals. For some reason, like for some reason, this was the year that the the word broke out that you have to have road pedals at Leadville. Like I've never seen so many road pedals at a mountain bike race. Hey, y'all, yeah. Carrie Warner. <laughs> was that Carrie Warner? It, yeah, it was a video on my phone. What, are you watching YouTube videos while we're recording? It's on Instagram. <laughs> you know when Carrie, you open your phone dude, and it just starts blasting? Isn't Carrie in Spain right now? I don't know. Is he? You I thought, thought everyone's he, in Spain. All the gravel people? Yeah. Dude, we should have uh, we should have Carrie on the podcast. We'll wait until he like does really well at a race or something. Then we'll have him yeah. on the podcast. He's not, he's not big enough deal yet. What are you talking about, dude? <laughs> people love Carrie. <laughs> Then why do we got to wait for him to have a big result? Let's just All have right. him on. We don't have to wait. We just have him on. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't have him on during the cross season. I don't know. It, I've never listened to a podcast with Kerry. Does he even do podcasts? I don't know if he does podcasts, but I feel like he talks to a camera in his YouTube videos pretty well. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. He's in the Grand Prix this year. So Yeah. Yeah. We'll have him on for like a pre-race or post-race show for sure. Um, Dude, we just we just have him on like next week. All right, yeah, we'll just have him on next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott, you know when your next race is going to be? I think it's going to be on the ninth of February. Of February, yeah. What is it? I'm supposed to be racing now. There, w- what race is going on right now? Saudi Tour. Oh yeah, that's right. I was supposed to do that one. Mm. Yeah, what race is on the ninth? Tour of Antalya. It's in it's in Turkey. Antalya cool. is a city in Turkey. I did that one last year, and it's like a pretty good race to start back with a knee injury, I guess. Like the stages aren't super long, and like hard, like it's like kind of highway racing. So, so that's I don't a say good, it's like an easy race, but that's it's a good race road. to have a knee injury for. Well, like for a first attack, you don't want to jump into like a long ass, hard ass, like one day race or something. Where I guess you know what I mean. I mean, I wait. Is this a stage race or is it a one day? It's a stage race. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like stage race is not great for a knee injury. Doing racing back to back day well, after day. No, that's better than like a like a classic race or something. That's like long. Yeah, I mean, a hard. classic race isn't great either. But no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hope your knee holds up. Yeah, me too. Have you just been doing like one hour rides or no rides? Yeah, or no rides. Yeah, I've had to like make myself like a schedule to like keep myself sane. Because I have nothing to do. You have nothing to do. 
Well, all all like my teammates are in all the races, so I've got yeah. What else would I do? I don't I don't know, man. I don't know what a pro cyclist does when they don't ride. Exactly, I don't know either. Yeah, you need to start your YouTube channel. What would I make videos? Of? No, first of all, no. <laughs> Second of all, what would I make a video about? Me sitting around doing nothing? No, don't do like vlog style. Just like you know, try to start beef with like you know Remco or something. I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> dude have you seen this hold on have you seen this youtube channel that um cycling highlights have you seen that i don't think so so this channel i've started watching some of the videos and it's like every single video the guy is just basically like accusing people of doping and you don't see the guy's face but like the last video that i watched he uh, what, what, what's this team that's got this like god awful kit that's like white and and highlighter yellow and like navy blue, almost like tie dye? You know what I'm talking about, Scott? Come on, Scott. You know what I'm talking Wait, about. Describe it again. I I missed it's that. It's white you? and highlighter yellow and navy blue, and it looks like it's like tie dye. It's like white it and highlighter. It says circus on the front. I'm trying to Is read it, it. Bingle. It says something white? circus. <laughs> Just name the name of the team. Okay, but I don't know the name of the team. I'm just looking at a picture. Oh, wait, white Intermarche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the mm. one. Like the best team in the world. Yeah, dude. So this entire video, he was just accusing them. He he was like accusing them without accusing them, right? He was just highlighting all these crazy results they've had. And he's like, yeah, that's fishy. So here's another crazy result they've had. Yeah, kind of fishy. And, like, basically the undertone of the whole video is that they're just, like, doing a massive doping operation. Maybe they I, are. No, I haven't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> is this what you do in your spare time is just, like, sit around and dissect other YouTube channels? Are I you mean, even a YouTuber? Do you even make videos? I haven't. I make videos. I make videos. Of- advertising them because I, have no, I haven't seen Yeah, anything. maybe YouTube stopped recommending them to you. I don't know. Because it's been Can so long watching? since you watched one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like my my frequency has definitely gone down. I'm to the point where I'm doing like a video every two weeks to I think actually the last gap between my videos was like a month, which is kind of a lot, but I'm going for the quantity over quality approach. You know what I'm saying? You mean quality over quantity? You just <laughs> said quantity over quantity. Oh, quality. I mean the other way around. Quality. <laughs> quality first over quantity approach. Is that is that beneficial for the YouTube algorithm though? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's YouTubers that do both, right? There's YouTubers that literally just sit down and talk to the camera, and then they put out five videos a day like that, and they do pretty well. And then there's YouTubers that put out, like, four videos a year, but their videos are awesome, and they do pretty well like that. So, hmm. yeah. Well, anything um, else going on? Um, have you guys watched the, um, the like, docu-series on the Lifetime no, yeah, I watched is, them. If I wasn't, did? I literally didn't have anything else to do, I don't think I would have watched yeah, that's them. How, that's how you know that Scott is bored. <laughs> <laughs> Scott has watched them and Adam hasn't. I didn't, and I didn't I, watch. And I've, been, I've been sick. I was like literally on the couch for like 100 hours this weekend. Adam's got like a kid and shit. Like he, he doesn't need to be watching that. He's got better stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I've watched the first four, so I wow. haven't watched. You watched two of them yesterday? Yeah, I watched two of them last night with Nina. That's like your date nights? <laughs> yeah. Are you in uh, the videos? 
I don't think I haven't seen myself in in a single one yet. So no, okay. and they never they never <laughs> interviewed good, at least. <laughs> they never interviewed me. So huh. um, Scott, which ones did you watch? Uh, I didn't watch them in order. I think I I think I watched didn't? Like four of them. No, I just like watched. I don't know. I just like like they didn't get recommended on YouTube in order. Or I, I don't know. I was just like watching. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember which races is like, like they're a chronological based on... thing or is it i thought it well, was just like i mean you don't have to watch it chronologically but like the races did happen in a chronicle chronological order well know i know I mean? that <laughs> they is it like one of those time. series like have you heard those like some of those like crime uh like mystery series where you can watch it in different orders and it like changes the plot well um i have heard about that. is that how this is I mean, no, no. definitely not. <laughs> like, if if you watch Schwamigan first, you might think that Keegan Swenson doesn't dominate the series. No, you know that Keegan Swenson dominates the whole series. <laughs> every single, well, I haven't watched the Schwamigan one, but every single uh, episode that I've seen so far, like when they interview the men, they're all just like, "Yeah, like it's a race for second place." Like they just give up, dude. <laughs> Which well, I mean, yeah, because they're like realists. Yeah, no, I mean you can't blame them. For that sure. was the reality. Yeah, no, for sure. They still for tried sure. to make it like dramatic, I guess, kind of, but it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, they're kind of. Have you watched Drive to Survive? The everybody's like, yeah. this is the this is the lifetime Grand Prix version of Drive to Survive. I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's hard because you're riding bikes at 20 miles an hour compared to racing cars at 250 miles an hour. Yeah, so like, and also I will say too that the the people not not that the people I I actually think that the lifetime uh, version is very well produced, but clearly the drive to survive is better produced and they they actually do a super no shit good, well you've got like a billion <laughs> dollar like i know i know they do they but they do a super good job of like finding the drama and pulling out the drama so that people who don't even care about formula one are like hooked you know what i'm saying yeah i don't care mm-hmm. about formula one at all and i have right. watched it like twice so <laughs> i yeah i've never actually watched an like an actual formula one race i've only watched this series like, I don't even I've know. Tried. I don't even know that much. Like, I have so many questions when I'm watching the series of like mm-hmm. rules and stuff like that. Like, why do the cars have to look like that? Why Why do their wheels have to be exposed? Why can't they cover the wheels so that like when they bump wheels, they don't crash? Yeah. But I'm sure there's like some. There's a lot of rules. Rule I don't. I don't understand. There's a lot. If you think the UCI has a lot of rules, like uh, what is it? The FIA is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. The rules are insane. Like the rules are like the rule book is. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, like, like it's it's interesting how how they have to like they set their car at the beginning of the year and then they can't change it. They can mm-hmm. just like rebuild it back to the same spec. What if they had to do that with bikes? What would you do, Dylan? Like your tires? Well, I guess they can change tires, but yeah, dude, they change tires mid race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, that, but you were saying that though that it's kind of like that's like it's it's sports. Well, it's that's definitely inspired yeah, by that series. That's definitely what they're going for, and. um I mean, I think, like I said, I think they do a very good job and they, and the, the, the limited amount of drama that there is, they do kind of try to harp on that, but you know, it's like, it's a bike race, like how much. All right. So did they, did they touch on the aero bar drama at Unbound? Yeah, they talked about it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, because so they alternate which races they talk about the men and the women. So at Unbound, they were talking about, they just happened to be talking about the men's race. Hmm. Um, 
so yeah, they interviewed Pete and talked and Pete talked about his Aerobar stance. And then they were also, I think maybe like Russell or Keegan talked about how like Pete started this email chain. So it was pretty nice. funny. They could have, I feel <laughs> like they could have dug into that a little deeper. Um, but yeah, I mean, they talked about that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that it like blows up the sport like it did for F1 or at least the fan following. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of know. a bummer. I mean, I know it's like the first year of it, but it's kind of a bummer that it's like just released on YouTube and it, and they, they couldn't get it out on like Netflix or some other streaming application. I know like YouTube's yeah. more accessible to everyone, but it's also like way harder to market it through YouTube. Yeah. Well, YouTube, the, the thing with YouTube is it's like the barrier of entry is really low, which means that there are, there's so much to compete with. If that makes exactly. sense. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the barrier to en- to entry for Netflix is way higher, but you have less to compete with. And Correct. that's not to say that you don't have things to compete with on Netflix. You definitely do, but it's not like on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it looks, I, I mean, it's Scott, just, the you must have liked it enough that you watched four episodes. That's like two hours. I've been really bored. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, it was fine. Dude, yeah, okay, okay. You have to admit. So what? What better cycling documentaries or, or you know videos are out there? I, I don't know. I mean, okay, it was. So, it I mean, was good. Okay, that's like, good. With, they did really good with what they had to work with, which was really boring races. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did make them. They did make them see like, and they had the music right, and like they had the slow mo right, and all of that. Like. It, you do watch it and you're like, wow, this sport seems way cooler than it actually is. You also, know I mean? like they don't have I don't know how much footage they have of the actual races because they're not Yeah, right. Like at F one, there's probably so many cameras and shit, like they can yeah. use the footage. But they're if they're not filmed, then and when I mean, they it, were it, filmed, like they were the terrible. thing is like I mean, even with the F with the Drive to Survive series, like if it if the episode is thirty minutes long like two minutes of that might be actual race car footage. Like there's really yeah, not that much racing. That's yeah. interesting. Right. Have you ever actually watched an F1 race? No, I never yeah. have. Oh yeah. It's less interesting it's so than drive boring. to survive. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's so boring. I mean, it's somewhat interesting. Like there's definitely sports that are more boring to watch than F1. Probably cycling is one of them for the general public, but yeah. Yeah. But I, I did not find it interesting at all. <laughs> After watching the, like, I loved the show, but then yeah. I was like, oh, I'll watch a race. And it was like, not nearly. How do good. you think, how do you think the drive to survive version of the Tour de France is going to do? Like, do you think that it's going to blow up the sport like it did for F1? I don't know about blow up the sport. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Cause That's that one, dropping like right before the tour, right? Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not positive. That would be smart of them to do. I think, I think that's what I heard. Yeah. I don't know like how many teams were involved in it, though. Like, if you're missing, you know what I mean? Like, you had to agree mm-hmm. to be filmed. Yeah. And some, like, very notable teams des- decided they didn't yeah. want to be part of it. Well, not but every yeah. team is part of the Drive to Survive, though. Yeah, but yeah, almost, the, the almost all of them are. are I think. Yeah, I guess. I yeah, think I mean, it was, like, a huge deal when, uh, uh, who's the guy who won on Red Bull? Like, won the series on Red Bull? Why can't I think of his name right now? What? Verstappen? Dude, I didn't yeah. get that far in the series yet. You just ruined it. Well, Max Verstappen <laughs> wins the whole thing. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, you know, so, 
like when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is like it was like really suspenseful. But it happened like <laughs> what, like three or four years ago. And I could have just mm. like looked up the results, but and I had no <laughs> idea who had won or anything. So it was actually like, yeah, yeah it was actually really suspenseful and like good. Yeah, I wonder um, if people will be like that for the Tour de France. Like, they're not I, I will be honest. I I I use the Drive to Survive show as my show that I watch like to fall asleep at night. So really? I, I do miss a lot of it because like my Netflix will keep playing for like another fifteen minutes after I fall asleep, and then like I just. Dude, I feel like you episode. gotta. I feel like you gotta watch like a nature documentary or something. You know, it doesn't matter. I I just need something to to not have thoughts in my head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. All right. Well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Either way, I mean, it is cool to see like Lifetime putting that out. Um, I I think that like I don't know if this was a decision they had to make or you know what happened, but. Like if it was a budget thing where like Flo came to them and was like, Hey, we need more money to like put on, you know, to, to live stream the last few events. And it was either like they put the money towards that or put the money towards this series, like the, the docu-series. I think it's a smart call to do the docu-series. I think yeah, live streaming events, like, yeah, like it's, it's, you, you need the live streaming after you've built the, the following, but if you yeah. don't have the following, the live stream is like, you know, I mean, who are you reaching? Like a thousand people watching it? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And also these races aren't that interesting to watch live. Like watching it in a 30 minute docuseries makes the races seem way more exciting. It's actually, actually it's actually are. way more interesting to watch the Instagram, Instagram updates because you can like you can watch the whole race in like four minutes mm-hmm. in like each scene. It's like, oh, crap, something's switching up. Or like if yeah. it's not, then you just like skip through a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it was definitely a good call on their part. So we'll see where they go with that, I guess. Um, Hopefully, they get our boy, a boy on this year. Gotta gotta do something to stand out a little more. Are, are you talking about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. The goal will be to do well enough at a race that they have to interview me, or do something dramatic enough that they have to interview you. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like they were only interviewing, uh, like they didn't even interview Lawrence Tendam after he went on that crazy flyer at Unbound and still got fourth place. Hmm. You know, you know what I mean. Is uh, he in the? Gra- is he in the? Does he do the Grand Prix? Yeah, he didn't. F- oh. He didn't finish though, right? Like he? No, he did. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did the Grand Prix and he finished. Like I, I feel like they were very much just covering the top three-ish maybe the top four you know which is fine oh, like they definitely okay. des- they definitely deserve the coverage but like i don't know to dude but I, like like i mean I, I guess you haven't gotten there yet but like think about like all that sh- like this how the standings shook up at unbound you know so like hopefully mm-hmm. they covered that where like you know guys who didn't think they were going to get top 10 did and guys who were locked in you know uh kicked out or whatever yeah i mean Honestly, like they only I, what I'm saying is they didn't even interview like Lawrence Tendam, who was such a animator in that race. Like there was a snippet of a Lawrence Tendam interview, but it wasn't an interview that these it's like mm. they took it from something else. Like they didn't gotcha. have Lawrence Tendam sit down in the studio and interview him about Unbound. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Hmm. Like the they were the people that they interviewed were all top three top four and then they didn't really go any see and that's what i think i think drive to survive highlights really well is like they they almost don't put that much emphasis on the overall because Mm -hmm. unless like 
you know, Max Verstappen or whatever his name is, like, you know, kind of upsets and all of a sudden he's the winner. But like mm-hmm. they put a ton of emphasis on like the, the, the teams that are like just trying to get a point and like getting sure. one point is like a huge deal, you yeah. know, and like that's kind and of it, how the battle is, for top 10 was like was way more interesting than watching Keegan dominate. Yeah. And it is. I mean, surprisingly, it is actually super interesting watching a whole episode about the last place team in Formula One. Yeah. Like you wouldn't think that watching an episode about the last place team in Formula One would be that interesting, but it's actually that's like one of the best episodes. You're like, wow, dude, is this person, is this team going to get one point? I don't know. <laughs> For sure. And like, you know and I mean? like you, you get to see them grinding, like what, you know, with, with the unknown of whether or not they're going to have a job the next year, you know, and you're yeah. like, holy crap, like you got to get a result, man. Come on. Like, <laughs> so you think that you think that they should have done that? Like maybe interviewed some of the people that were further back that were just trying to get like a top 10 or just trying to get whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like, um, like, uh, what, what's his name? Um, too sick to think of names who won Schwamigan brain Lang. Like they, yeah, well, I haven't watched the Schwamigan one yet, but I mean, I'm sure uh, they're going to interview him after Schwamigan, but like they might not actually, because the Schwamigan one covers the women. Oh, that's right. It was, yeah. Cause Hannah was, uh, they were following Hannah around for that one. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I just think there's like, there, there's a lot more, um, there's a lot of stories beyond, mm-hmm. you know, below that, you know, top three, you know, placement standings. Um, a lot of things just shook up, like, you know, how Lance like squeaked his way into the top 10 at, on, at, uh, big sugar. Like, yeah. Because they highlighted that or something, but right. We'll see. I mean, it was first year. So, I mean, yeah, they probably didn't even know what was going to be interesting. Yeah. Dude. Keegan said in the first episode, they were, they interviewed him and he was like, I would like, my goal is to win. He either said I would like to, or my goal is to win every race in the series. Like he, he was so confident that he wasn't even worried about the overall. He was thinking like, I want to win all of the, <laughs> um, so and he almost did it. I mean, I mean, yeah, he like, <laughs> like it swam again if he hadn't crashed in the last corner. And I don't know, there's like, there's like, People are speculating that he just let Russell have the win at the last one. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, if if Keegan had won Schwamigan, I guarantee he would have fought a little harder at Big Sugar. Yeah, not giving Russell the win at Big Sugar so that he could have... I mean, like, Big Sugar didn't mean really anything to him. Well, he could have, yeah, I mean, he could have gotten last place at Big Sugar. and he. I, I think he had to finish, but he could have gotten literally last place and he would have won the series. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, also Sophia, uh, Sophia Gomez, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Villa Vishafanye. Um, dude, she is ruthless, man. She is like (laughs) the same mentality as Keegan. She's like, like hyper competitive and hyper confident. Um, and the, the episode about Crusher, they're mainly following her and then Sarah Sturm and her and Sarah Sturm could not be more different personality wise <laughs> and they're like they're in the same house because they're both sponsored by specialized and like sarah stern's just so like bubbly and giggly and looks like she's not taking anything that seriously like she's like making jokes about like asking what tires you're running and what pressure you're running and and sophia's just like laser focused the whole time <laughs> <laughs> was there beef no i don't think there was beef but it's just it was just like an interesting clash of personalities oh you know what i'm saying yeah 
So it'd be good if there was beef and they had to stay at the same house. But <laughs> that would make a good show. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they need to do. They need to like they need to find the drama and then they need to feed the drama. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. That's the only news I had. Do you guys have any anything crazy happen this week? No, I've I've been sick with strep throat and possibly the flu. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Are you it still was. gonna Are you still gonna do VWR Arizona? Uh, I don't know. Um, I I did just pull the plug on the series though, because um, I can't make it to one of the races that is a mandatory. So I was like, I'm not gonna like force myself to go to these races that I don't want to go to just to yeah. do the series. Yeah. Um, so like BW. BWR Arizona like is still I'd still like to go I think I think that one sounds like it could be a pretty fun race but um if I'm not like well enough to start training in like a week then probably not it's not yeah. worth it to go just to like make sense pay a bunch of money to ride 100 miles and get sure mid-pack sure um right. well should we get the listener questions then yeah let's do it um this first one's actually pretty relevant to what we were just talking about uh so this one's from Steve he says hey there I really enjoy the show and the banter question do you guys plan on having any female guests it would be nice to hear from female riders that are not necessarily in the top 10 of any discipline thanks steve um so steve we have had a few females on the list or on the show um that i don't know if you i mean top 10 i i guess um well so so one of them so jenna reinhardt she was on the show after schwamigan after schwamigan she's in the grand prix this year which is pretty cool did you see that dylan yeah. Um, so I don't know, maybe look out for her to be in the top 10. Um, but I wouldn't consider her to be like top 10 shoe in. So we've had her on. Um, and then we also had, um, dude, names are Melissa Rollins. Yeah. Melissa, which she, she did. I think she was third at unbound, which is super impressive. Yeah. 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 Um, so I mean like she was top 10 there. Um, but I don't think she finished in the top 10 for the overall. Did she? Or maybe she did. I I honestly couldn't tell you. I can't remember. Um, she was close though. I, I know she was. She was right up there. I think um, she. I think she told me at uh, Big Sugar that she got tenth place. That could be wrong. Okay. I, I don't quote me I, on that. But. I knew she was right. Right. Like she had to have a pretty decent ride at Big Sugar yeah. to. She she was in the top ten, but in order to maintain it, she had to have a good ride. So yeah. we've had them on the show. Um, but yeah, we could try and get some more chicks on. Faux we could show. do a show with with. Uh, Sarah Sturm and uh, Sophia. <laughs> yeah. Having a show with Sarah Sturm seems like it would be a very, it would be a good show. I feel like, I feel like her personality would be good. Um, and Sophia as well, but it would just like actually having them both on at the same time so that you guys could see what I'm talking about. Maybe in real life, they don't, maybe, maybe the documentary like really played up on this, this clash of personalities and it's not, quite like this in real life because i haven't hung out with either one of them in real i mean life. sarah sturm's pretty much the same in person as like she is on social media or anything yeah so i don't know i don't i don't really follow sophia on social media so i'm not sure on her but um yeah sounds pretty cutthroat so yeah steve we'll we'll work on that um okay so cadence of the stars uh wow this is a really long one Okay. Do you not uh, preview these things before you? No, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, this one comes from Mike. He says, hey, Bonk Bros, going to see if I can get another question answered by the best cycling podcast in existence. Dude, that's wow. nice. Wow, yeah. Uh, are you guys actually brothers? No, forget that. Here's the real question. Uh, <laughs> Dude, hold on. My So my dad, my dad, he watched like we started putting the bonk bros episodes on youtube and he doesn't oh, yeah. listen to like my dad has never listened to a podcast in his life um <laughs> so whatever but he does watch youtube occasionally and he said that like one of the bonk bros episodes got recommended to him so he watched it and he called me to talk about it and it, it was like the one with jeremiah and he's like oh man that was a great episode with jeremiah on the bonk brothers bonk brothers and he he said <laughs> He said the Bonk Brothers like five times, and I'm like, Dad, it's Bonk Bonk Bros. <laughs> I've had someone else call it Bonk Brothers. I don't remember where it was at. Someone I'd met or something, and I thought that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought they were just joking, but maybe uh yeah, maybe it was the same interpretation. Should we, should as we your change dad. it? Should we change the name? <laughs> Bonk Brothers. <laughs> All right. So I was looking at some of the Lifetime Grand Prix guys rides on Strava after hearing a conversation about intensity factor at races like Unbound. Then I noticed something I found weird. Riders in question were Dylan, Keegan, Payson, Russell, Matt Beers, Pete, Alexi, Cole, etc. Guys like that. I noticed that all of you had average cadences of mid-70s to mid-80s. Ever since I started cycling about five years ago, all I've heard is that you got to spin to win. Oh boy. My rides usually average around 92 to 93 and I've been trying for years to get a little bit more speed. So should I care more about spinning faster, spin a little slower, around 85, stop overthinking it, and just ride whatever my natural cadence is? Yes. Uh, what are the implications of maybe riding with more muscle and less cardiovascular system around 85? Uh, would I be more or less apt to cramp? Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. Mike from the Twin Cities. And he says, P.S., I saw Adam's name on the Fat Bike World's for later this month maybe i'll see you there planning on it unless the weather looks terrible well the weather was terrible and unfortunately so was my health so i did not make it shouldn't the weather be terrible it's the fat bike the world dude actually i was kind of pumped for it so so the the temperature was like below zero um wind chill was like negative 10 or something and i was kind of stoked because like i know that half the guys would be like bummed about that you know and like if you're if you're like going into a race and you're not like fully there mentally like you know it's like you're out of it so i was kind of stoked but uh not when it's, i'm it's a good sick. thing it's a good thing you didn't go you'd you'd be totally oh, you'd dude, be bedridden it right would have ruined my whole season probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, um so anyways cadence <laughs> so so dylan so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> guess that this. i'm gonna guess that part of He's looking at unbound from this year. I'm, I'm going to guess part of the reason the cadence was a little bit lower. Well, is he because of the conditions? Is he looking at training or is he looking at racing? Oh no, Did he was he just specify? looking. I think he said he was just looking at power from unbound. Hmm. Um. Yeah, but he mentioned Matt Beers, and Matt Beers didn't do unbound. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. Are you sure? I was there, man. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether he's talking about training or racing, but I can give him an answer to his question. <laughs> oh, he says he says races like Unbound. So he's he's looking races. at race race data though. Yeah, I mean, so generally, you know, I don't know if this 
person just rides on the road, I mean, generally your cadence is lower off road. Um, and the, 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 I don't know, I guess if you want to say the worse the terrain is like the bumpier the terrain is, or the steeper the terrain is, or the muddier the terrain is like whatever is making the terrain slow you down more. Uh, generally your cadence will only be lower and lower. So if it's steeper, your cadence will be lower. If it's muddier, your cadence will be lower. If it's bumpier, your cadence probably be lower. Um, and, uh, so if you're looking at cadences from off-road races, that's probably the reason why it's lower than you would expect it to be. Also, um, you should go over to my YouTube channel. I mean, I did a video about this, like two videos ago, I think. Yeah. I mean, very recently I did a video about cadence and there were a number of comments like, Oh dude, you're doing another video about cadence, which I've only done one other video about like that was exclusively about cadence. I talk about it, uh, on a somewhat regular basis on my channel, but I'll just give it, you should go watch that video if you want to get the full rundown, but basically I'm going to summarize it in one sentence. Stop worrying about it. Just, just ride it. Whatever cadence is comfortable for you. Do you agree, Scott? Yeah, sounds like for this guy, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're looking at the cadence over 200 miles, right? <laughs> like, it's the average. Sure. There might be sections where you're pedaling, like, in circumstances where you're pedaling at 50 RPM and other circumstances where you're pedaling at, like, 100 RPM, right? Yeah. So it's hard to say the over the average uh, of these races, because it's so fucking long, what the actual demands of the terrain are, right? Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, that's and very true. Like for different disciplines, yeah. like in cyclocross, for example, you have to be able to pedal at all whole wide variety of, of cadences. Right. Because of the, ter- the way that's the way the terrain is. But in gravel, like a unbound, you, you, I don't think, yeah, I think Dylan's right. Like it doesn't, don't worry about it for shit like that. Like just normal riding. Yeah. 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 I agree. Is there a time when you should worry about cadence in your opinion, Scott? Yeah, like for cyclocross or for like sprinting on the road. Yeah, because you have to be able to spin your legs fast enough in order to like be successful. Mm -hmm. And then like in cross, there's like riding in the mud is like the ideal cadence for like, I don't want to say like for traction or for riding through the mud is lower than on a dry course. So you need to like train for for that, I think. But for Mm -hmm. normal riding... Just right, like I don't think it really matters. Whatever's whatever feels. I, I I I think that in general, people really overthink this like cadence stuff, and do, I yeah. think that in general as well, doing cadence drills is a wait a waste of ninety five percent of cyclist time. Um, yeah, and so I'll put one caveat in there. If you're if you're a roadie switching from from the road to the mountain bike, I think it'd be beneficial to work on trying to lower your your preferred cadence um, because riding through technical terrain, like you're talking about Dylan at like 95 or whatever he says, 93 RPMs, that's going to be that that's going to make riding through that terrain a lot more challenging than if you're riding at 80. So like, yeah, I mean, I would say that like when I said 95% of cyclists, I would say the 5% where you may want to think about doing some sort of cadence training is if you, for example, let's say you live in Florida and you only ride on the road, but you're training for Leadville, where you're going to be grinding up Columbine at 60 RPM. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're already at such a disadvantage just in general living in Florida and trying to do Leadville for multiple reasons. But like if you want the cadence while you're climbing Columbine to not be as big an issue for you, you may try doing some intervals at a lower cadence. Yep. Um, Cool. Okay. This next one comes from uh, Junji. He says, what's the ideal... uh, What's the ideal tire for gravel logos, oh Texas? <laughs> <What? laughs> Don't they post that shit on the website or something? What? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. These races but, do start. They have like tire sponsors, and they put the the optimal tire for their race or whatever. Yeah. Um, he says brand and girth. Brand and girth. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, so gravel locos is the gravel is pretty fast there. Like it's not that chunky. Um, you can keep a pretty high average speed without putting in too much effort. Um, I've run specialized Pathfinder Pros forty two millimeter there, and I think that's what I did both times I did the race. Uh, and that's a good tire for it. You could maybe get away with something that's like got a little bit thinner sidewalls if you wanted to risk it a little bit to go a little bit faster. Like, um, I don't always say that about gravel racing in general because usually, you know, you want to avoid getting a flat, but I don't remember people getting a lot of flats at gravel locos. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like in general, unless you're like, unless you're gonna, you know, gun in for top 20 or top 15 or something like that. I would err on the side of a little bit more protection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, specialized Pathfinder. So they specialized just started making the Pathfinder pro in a 47, hmm. um, which I've been running the 47. It's so hard to find, dude. I had to, I, I didn't even know about that. There's a guy I know in Canada who's like, took a picture of them in his bike shop and he's like, look, I found 47s. And I was like, do me a favor, buy those and send them to me. that's how i got them because you can't find them online they're not on the website like they're out of stock everywhere i don't think they've made a lot of them but i've got 47s on my bike right now that's probably gonna be my go-to gravel race tire this year 47 pathfinder pros unless you can't find them oh i'll find them (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna start buying those tires and then resell them (laughs) 400 bucks a piece (laughs) Uh, I'll, I would probably run those at gravel locos to be honest with you. Um, I'm planning to do, I'm working with Silka, like Silka's got this, uh, project, uh, road to Emporia or off road to Emporia. I can't even remember that. I should know the name of it off the top of my head, but like, uh, we're trying to get Travis from Silka to be able to finish unbound in like a decent time or whatever. And he's pretty out of shape right now. He's like a dad and got you know, has like 10 hours a week to train. So pretty typical. Dude, Adam's cyclist, a dad. Cyclist yeah, dude. what the fuck, What are you man? saying about dads? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Travis. I believe in you. <laughs> no, Travis can do it for sure. But anyway, so we're like, we're, this is just, we're, we're I, I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much because uh, this will all come out both on my YouTube channel and on Silka's YouTube channel in the near future. And I don't know, I don't know exactly know what I can say and cannot say, but we're going to be doing quite a bit of testing in regards to tires. And my plan is to, is to really hone in on what the fastest gravel tire width is. Um, Mm. 
because I, I've had this, I've had this theory that like the, the entire industry is, is off the mark on what they think the optimal gravel tire width is. So all I'll say is we're sort of putting that to the test and we're, we're taking into account multiple factors to figure that out. Sweet. All right. Next question. Um, so, so this one, so I'm going to ask you this cause this, this one I just found in the, uh, in the inbox that's from like almost two months ago that I forgot about. It was specifically asked to towards Dillman, but he's not on. And I don't know, Dylan, Dylan, have you ever raced for Dillman? Yeah. Have you ever raced war daddy? No. Okay. Well then I'll save it for Dillman. Cause it's, it's, it's about a race that, that Dizzle has done. And the, one, I the war, I mean, it looks like a fun race. The war daddy race promoters have tried to get me to come do it. Um, and I would, but it's just like, you know, there's so many races on the calendar. Like you really got to pick and choose and you got to, unfortunately you got to say no to a lot of, a lot of races. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to know about like bike choice and, oh, yeah, and setup and stuff like that. So know. yeah, we'll yeah save no, it I'm not going to be able to help with that. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't listen Sorry, to Delman to place. Have you done it, Scott? No, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll move on. Uh, okay. This one comes from Tim. Hey, guys. Big fan of the podcast. I'm generally a long-distance Masters mountain bike racer, eight-hour solos, 24-hour solos, etc. And I'm doing BC bike race this year. I wanted your opinion on tire selection. Normally, I run either 2.35 recon race front and rear or 2.35 racing ray slash racing ralph um on a high spec orbea oes uh bc bike race is typically gnarly and weather in much wetter conditions as it's in on vancouver island and i feel these tires will get overwhelmed and risk flatting any suggestions on tires for this type of stage race dude this really has been become the like tire talk podcast dude we're, we're i'm only like a, i'm only a third of the way through, through this email <laughs> oh really okay um so let, here I'll, I'll i think it okay there's a few questions in here so uh he's alternatively i also have a an ibis ripley which is like a tr- trail bike mm-hmm. uh 140 front 120 rear that i could run with my xc wheel set and use the racing ray ralph combo basically more travel heavier trail bike but with fast tires um, so let's answer that first part, you know, this, this first question, uh, what tires should he run and what bike should he run? Yeah. Well, I don't think any of us have done BC bike race. Um, no, but I've done the Oz trails off road. I think three, so in a completely three times. different part of the country, dude, but it's, it's, it's similar. Like as far as like wet terrain, super sharp rocks, Mm-hmm. Like the first, the first year that the event was there, everyone was running standard casing XC tires and like 90% of the pro field flatted. So, um, is, is, but so, I mean, I've done, for example, the Piscus stage race, which I think the Piscus stage race is probably comparable to, yeah, I, w- I would uh, say it's BC similar. bike race, yeah. but I would say that you have a way higher chance of flatting at Oz trails than you do at Piscus stage race, even Cause it's just, there's a lot of rocks in Pisgah, but they're not that sharp. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, I guess it's not exactly the same terrain, but, um, sounds like similar conditions, like wet kind of slippery roots and sharp rocks. Um, I personally think that tire choice is more important than suspend, like having more suspension. Like Mm -hmm. if you have, 
you know, more suspension, but a light casing tire, you're still going to flat that tire, especially because you're going to feel like you have more bikes. You're going to be like ripping descents faster, which is going to put your tires in much more vulnerable spots. So, um, here's my, here's my recommendation. I think since, since you're used to, you know, like you've run some Maxxis tires, the recon race, I would run the standard recons in the 2.4 or like whatever the biggest size you can fit in that Orbea. I'm guessing a 2.4 will fit. Um, I doubt a 2.6 will fit, but they make the the standard recon in a 2.4 with like a double down casing. I don't remember exactly what it's called, um, but it's like, it's like double Evo or double XO to like the standard, like, you know, casing protection is called EXO. And this is like, I don't know, two XO or something. Um, but find those tires cause they're really burly. Um, but the recon's still like a pretty fast rolling tire. Um, it comes in 120 TPI. So like, it's still pretty supple. And, and I would just run that on your Arbea. Um, I think, I think that's going to be the, the go-to option for you. Oh, Dylan's back. Yeah, my internet cut out, or I don't know what happened. <laughs> cool. Uh, what you so you were talking about using the recon double yeah. double XO protection? I mean, yeah. yeah, that's probably a good call. I think if I were to do that race, I would probably use Aspen two point fours, which I know is like a dry tire. Um, but some some of those when you start throwing on some of those those burlier tires, it's, it's actually pretty shocking how fast the rolling resistance can go up. Um, for sure. But, but you're talking about trying to go there to win the overall. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm guessing, I mean, it says that he's, he says in the next part, he says, PS, thanks Dylan for the YouTube content. Dude, I just... followed, I followed a ton of your advice and went from a 3.0 to 4.2 watt per kilo rider in three seasons and still hitting new power records. Dude, you're so I mean, just I don't, assuming that this guy can't win the overall. Tim, I'm sorry, dude, but you're not going <laughs> to win the overall at 4.2 watts per kilo. But maybe he's going for the like the, his age group, like overall win. Um, yeah, I okay. I mean, so, you could also bring two sets of wheels, right? Like you don't yeah. have to run the same tires every day. I would run. I would run the lighter bike uh, because even with how gnarly BC bike race is, I think the race is probably still decided on the climb. Um, yeah, if I had to guess, like I, I, and I put the caveat here that I haven't done this race, but you know, I've done similar races like the Pisca stage race and the Pisca stage race. I mean, you can lose a lot of time on the descents, but at the end of the day, the race is still won on the climbs. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I would say that if you want to go with the conservative option, go with what Adam's talking about. If you want to go with the faster, maybe riskier option, I would do two, four Aspen. Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, I, I, yeah, the 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 Aspens are going to be a much better tire than the Recon Race in those wetter conditions. So I would I would definitely not run the Recon Race. People general people debate about that, man. People really? are like, I don't. I've I, I've heard so much debate about which tire has more grip, the Recon Race or the Aspen. In Some in people, wet conditions, though, dude. I dude the, I, the Recon Race. I've had this conversation. I've had this conversation about which has more grip, Recon Race or Aspen, probably like ten times on a group ride. Dude, I don't care about grip. I care about <laughs> is the mud shedding from my tire when it's muddy out. That's all yeah, that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. And and the 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 lugs are way too close on the Recon Race. Dude, they, I'm they not. I mean, I don't even run the Recon Race ever. I'm not a Recon Race fan. <laughs> like I, if I if I'm doing 
if I'm for these lifetime Grand Prix races, I ran, I didn't even run Max's tires. I ran Continental Race Kings. I wouldn't run that for BC Bike Race, but for a gnarly race like that, I would probably go with Aspen Two Fours. Yeah, that's my favorite tire of all time. So not a bad call. Um, so okay, this one's for you, Scott. He says, Scott, I was never more shocked when I heard that you have never smoked weed. After your pro cycling career, I am confident that any Canadian weed company would hire you as their chief marketing officer based on your voice and general outlook on life. So you got that going for you? Is that a question? <laughs> no, it's a compliment, man. He's like, he says you got a, a Dude, can you imagine? So, okay, this is Scott's personality, not on weed. Can you imagine Scott's personality on weed? I don't, I don't think you need to smoke weed, Scott. <laughs> I don't think so either. I'm doing just fine without it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then he says, last thing, you had a question about riding at night and lights from another listener. You always want two lights and the stronger light on your head and the weaker light on your bar. You'll never go wrong with light and motion lights, and if you're riding three-plus hours straight, getting the headlight with a swappable battery you can put in your jersey is key. Experienced riders know 24-hour races are won at night. Cool. Mm. That's that's some good yeah. tips. Um, okay, cool. We doing another one, or is that it? Uh, yeah, let's do another one. Okay. I don't know what time we're at, because my thing restarted. Oh, it's we're at 58 one minutes. One okay. more. All right, one more question. Um, so he says... Uh, hey Dylan, I'm surprised and glad that you replied to my email. It is cool course to correspond with you. I'm a big fan of your YouTube videos and they're a big part of why I'm diving into gravel racing. Uh, I think I have been getting used to Scott's demeanor lately and it has not been bothering me. <laughs> um, he's actually really funny. Um, Wait, so was this said, the, was this the guy that was previously complaining about Scott on the podcast? I, th- I think so. I, this is just the last email. So he says, I have a topic that I would be interested in you guys touching on. Do you guys have any insight on the prevalence of doping in amateur gravel oh, in boy. Grand Tour racing? I wonder if you have any insider information on that. And if you think it is still as big of a problem that it used to be, I would hope that the sport is cleaner now, but opinions are mixed amongst people I have talked to. Will. Mm. Amateur gravel and Grand Tour race, specifically those two categories? Or? <laughs> no. Those are very different categories. No, amateur racing, gravel racing, and then like world tour racing. So like he's talking about the different levels, right? So like yeah. we're, t- we're talking yeah, about yeah. somebody who's literally going to get mid-pack at a gravel race. We're talking about the people that are going to potentially win the gravel race. And then we're talking about people at the world tour, tour level. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would bet that there's probably a surprising amount of amateurs that, that dope, like not like, not like hardcore doping, but that like are using banned substances. Here's the thing, like taking testosterone is doping and taking, uh, taking testosterone has been become pretty common for like men in their forties and fifties at this point. And so you're, you could be doping and not even know it, or maybe you know it, but it's just kind of like, Hey, like I need, I need this testosterone. Like my doctor told me I need it. You go to the doctor, you have low testosterone. Your doctor's like, take this, take this testosterone. And you're like, well, I mean, I am doing this gravel race, but like, you know, I'm not getting paid to do this. Who cares? Right. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, in the master's, in the master's ranks, there's probably a lot of master's riders who take testosterone 
and maybe they justify it to themselves or they don't even know um, because their testosterone is low. Uh, but you know, that's, that's probably pretty common. Well, are, are there even like rules for the, the gravel races? Like, so that, that is an interesting question because, like, <laughs> like what is a banned substance in gravel? Yeah, what's so, yeah? So, like these gravel races, th- there's no sanctioning body, right? So every gravel race has a different set of rules. So I guess, like, if you wanted to be technical about it, if you were entering a gravel race and you go to the rule book in their like rider's guide and they don't have a single rule about doping, like you could just dope to the gills and do that race. I don't know if I've ever like seen any, I mean, I I haven't looked. I have. So if you go to, there are some gravel races where if you go to the rule book, they say, they say something like, you know, you can't take any WADA banned substance or something. And like, certainly for the lifetime Grand Prix events, you can't take any WADA banned substance. And they're apparently the lifetime Grand Prix is not only going to test the lifetime Grand Prix athletes this year, but also test any rider in the pro field this year, including yeah, non-lifetime cool. Grand Prix riders. Which so, like, I when you sign good. your waiver, do you, like, agree to that? Yeah. To being tech? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you agree to it. Because if you don't have to, like, take out a, like, I think with USA Cycling, if you take out a license, I guess you you probably agree to. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. Getting tested. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, so there's, pro- so... The first part of the question, how many amateurs are doing it, I would say it's probably more prevalent than you think it is. And it's not even necessarily that people are being malicious about it. It's probably a lot of people being recommended testosterone by their doctor. And they know it's not the best thing to do. Like they know it's, you know, they know it's they're going to gain a little bit of an advantage from it. But it's like, hey, like I'm trying to get my sex drive back, you know, or just um, to live a normal <laughs> functioning life. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. So there's that. Now let's talk about like gravel racers. Like let's talk about like lifetime Grand Prix level racers. How many of those people are doping? I'm going to say none because unless Keegan's doping, like someone who's doping would have beaten Keegan this year or this last year. No, not necessarily. I think think that's, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about doping. You just assume that the fastest person is doping, but like, if It'd be bad like, and be dope. Yeah, I mean, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, but I'm saying, I'm saying, like, someone who like is a notch below Keegan, dude. Straight up, man. For example, me, like, down in 16th place. If I decide, like, maybe if I did EPO, I could get to Keegan's level. But if I just kind of did, you know, microdosed testosterone or whatever, or like microdosed EPO, like did, did a level of doping that I wouldn't get detected when they tested me. Right. I probably still wouldn't beat Keegan. Right. Oh no. I'm talking, I'm talking someone who's not going to get tested. Like you, you, you said that last year, only the lifetime grand prix riders got tested. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like unsanctioned. You're not going to get tested. Yeah, well, I mean, somebody did beat him at, at Unbound. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, just because, you know, just because some somebody doesn't win the race does not mean that they're clean by any means. Sure. Like, totally, yeah, totally agree with that. Is, I, th- I think people have this fallacy that they just look at whoever the fastest person in the race is and they assume that's the doper. It's, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's so hard to say. I I I couldn't put any number on it. I think it's I I I wouldn't I wouldn't say the number. Like for example, if we were to take the seventy riders who did or sixty last year, seventy this year, if we were to take those riders and say how many of them are doing some banned substance, maybe not even intentionally. Or maybe maybe the banned substance that they're taking isn't testosterone or EPO. It's something that has like a much smaller effect. And maybe they know about it, but like they know it has a small effect and it's not going to get detected. The number is definitely not zero. You know mm. what I mean? I don't think the number is zero. I think the number is probably small. Like it's probably in the single digits, but I don't think yeah. it's zero. Mm. And I have absolutely no idea who that would be. I'm just saying I don't think it's zero, you know? Yeah. And then at the, I mean, at the world tour level, I don't know, like they've got, they've, they've got team doctors that are probably doing that research to see how they can get around certain tests and stuff. I don't, I don't know what, what the prob, you know, probability of or percentage of dopers at the world tour level is at this point. Yeah. I bet you it's more common in like more amateur. Yeah. I mean, the, the higher you get in the sport, the more tested you are, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. The consequences are too high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, sure. like, if you test positive, I'm doing the anti-doping, like, fucking uh, class right now. That's why I know that. If you test positive, even if you prove it's from, like, a tainted supplement or something, it's two years. Yeah, really. Prove, yeah. Which is, like, really hard to do. And if, like, you can't prove it, it's four years. Even wow. for like, Which is basic. I mean, that's basically the end of your career. Yeah, you know I, I mean? just look for something else to do. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, yeah. uh, when Toon Arts got popped, like, two years ago, or whatever it was now, like, I it mean, was a I, year ago, a year ago? The world last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it right. Was a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, who knows what's going to happen with that guy, but he's like, yeah, probably he's not going to have much, like, have yeah, so no much support when he comes back. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would just find something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be a can- Canadian <laughs> weed promoter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just move just move to a country where no one like cuz I'm assuming he lives in Belgium or whatever. Yeah. So like everybody knows that he's a doper, like they all recognize his face and they're all like you're a doper. <laughs> like just move to a country where no one knows who you are and just start, you know, like a gardening business or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean if you wanted insider information about how many people are doping, like we don't we don't have it. I mean, people are no. yeah. <laughs> nobody knows yeah and if we did know and we told you on the podcast we'd probably get sniped (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right that good we're wrapping it up yeah Yeah, i think so dude we knocked out all the emails at least except for that one about war daddy but all right well um, whenever dillman gets back on the podcast he can answer yeah see the problem was it was like so far down i like it was like on the next page i was like Mm. why are there still like unread questions but yeah sorry uh zach we'll get back to you okay sweet well scott let us know about next week you'll be racing after we would potentially record but if you're busy let us know all right see ya